0: Let's uh let's begin with first John chapter 1 verse 3. Uh we proclaim to you what we have seen, heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus Christ. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Most gracious heavenly Father, thank you Lord for this time that we're able to share together, Lord, for this great opportunity to get into your word. Lord, to have you speak to us, to have you move in our midst. Pray, Lord, touch and change our hearts. Lord, send us out of here walking closely with you, more in love with you, and just uh, excited to see what you would do, Lord, in and through us, in the midst of us. Oh, and Lord, I do just praise you, and we all love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so it's amazing. There he is. There's David, Star Wars shirt. You joined us. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how one one passage right can get stuck in your mind uh, to such a degree that that you uh, you you begin to read everything in light of it. It changes uh, the. It, it becomes the lenses to to some extent that you read the scripture through that you read. Uh, you know you interpret everything through that you see God through. Boo, are you okay? You look like you're crying. Have I? Already? No, you're fine. Okay, we're good. Let's move forward. Um, and, and and I don't know if it'll be that profound for you, right? This might be something where where you hear it. I'm sorry. I'll never do that again. <laughs> and uh, and 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 you might you know leave here going, wow. Well, I don't know why that uh, that one idea, that that singular concept, is stuck with him uh, so uh, so much. And and I didn't get much out of it, but. But here's the reality of it. I'm still trying to make sense of it. And that's probably something that I should have gotten sorted out before I came to sit up here today. Um, but uh, I'll admit that I'm not fully, uh, fully, you know, figured, I'm, I haven't fully figured it out, but I'm captivated by it. And for the last few weeks, it's, it's been to me as like a gathering storm. And uh, I'm taking the kids through First John on Sunday mornings, we're over yonder in the portable, and we're going through this book, and, and every, every single time. We've gotten into it. It thematically has circled around this one word, this one concept that's entranced me, and and it, it's become uh, it's become a focal point to glean the the elusive truth of it. And it's this word, fellowship, fellowship there in First John one three, and a few days ago it seemed that this gathered storm just began to, to pour you know, insight and truth and blessing upon me. And it came through a very familiar story, one that uh, I've read, you know, dozens of times, and no doubt you have as well. But it's as if every time I read it, I read it uh, through blurry lenses. Right? It, was, it was foggy and unfocused. It was... Uh, it, and, and now it's something else. It's something more. And it's, it's personal and significant, and challenging and it's that which i desire to to share with you this morning and i think that's enough of an introduction to leave everyone thoroughly disappointed when they walk out of here right because now there's no way that i could live up to that right? you're all going to walk out of here and go wow that was uh, that was disappointing actually <laughs> that was, after everything you know i was expecting you know my toddler has better spiritual insights than this guy uh, <laughs> but don't say that that's hurtful right that would that'd be mean Um, and, uh, for those of you that attend our study on Thursday nights at the building, it occurred to me that Sam is teaching through Matthew and, uh, I chose this passage in Matthew. I missed that Thursday night study. So it didn't connect in my brain. So that being said, if you want to hear a great teaching on this same passage that we're going to talk about this morning, boom, it's already on our website. So go listen to it. Enjoy Sam. The man's delicious. So Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. So Matthew 14, Jesus tells his disciples to get into the boat, go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Um, so it's a long day, and it began with the death in the family. You know, Jesus was just informed that his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded and he's seeking uh, solitude. He withdraws. He wants to go uh, just, just, just be alone and work You know, through uh, you know, what is, without a doubt, just a great pain in his heart. But the crowd, uh, they, they wouldn't allow it, and they pressed upon him. And uh, Jesus, never being one to dismiss a crowd, he began to teach them and to share with them and to, and to help them. And now it's evening, and he, he feeds them. More than 5,000 of them he feeds with five loaves and two fish. And it's this amazing miracle. It's this full day. And, and now Jesus withdraws to a private place, and he begins to pray. And already in the story, I'm convicted. Right? And last, uh, last week, we had our youth event. And, and it was last Saturday. Very long day. I, I got up early in the morning, went to work. I had six kids back-to-back, you know, teaching, and and then I got off work, I locked up, started heading home, I had to pick up Ryan, which Ryan isn't here today. I was really, I was going to ask him about my tie, if it worked with this outfit, because he's always telling me that I'm making poor choices, so this so is going to tr- have him, f- you know, figure things out for me, but I picked him up on my way home, then we went home, and and I got ready for the for the youth event that we were having that evening, and it was an 80s themed youth event, so I put on my, my all my Don Johnson gear, and I put on my bright shirt and rolled up my coat, and I was ready to go, and then we showed up, and there were four of us that were dressed up out of everyone that came to this event, so I just, I looked quite the fool, um, but so we all went out, and then it was, a, it was a big night of ministry, and you know, bowling, and movies, and root beer floats, and then a message back at the church, and then I had to go back and drop Ryan off at his house. Go back to my home, and by the time you know I got home, it was 11:30. And maybe for some of you, that's like, oh, that's early. For me, I'm old. You know, just, just so old. And that was, that was just very late for me. <laughs> and, uh, and and I, I looked at Boo, and we didn't even say a word to each other. She was already home, and we just grunted, and and then we went to bed. You know, it's like, I just walked through the door, and was like, uh. uh, uh, uh. You know, that was it. That was, we were done. Uh, but there was nothing in me that was like, oh, a great night of ministry that was. And I'm Irish whenever I quote myself. I don't know why. But <laughs> and no, no, you know what I, I ought to do now? Up to Baldy with me to pray for the next four hours, you know, because I'm just super spiritual, you know, and, and but no, I was like, oh, I just want sleep. I just want, I just want to go to bed. But no, that's not Jesus. I mean, Jesus, he retreated. Uh, to, to this mountaintop in order to pray. And I'm blown away by that, right? If anyone needs to pray, it's us. And we miss the value of it. We, 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 we miss the essential sustenance that we receive from it. And, and, and Jesus went away to pray. And he sends his disciples on their way. And in verse 24, we read, the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. All right. He goes off to pray, sends his disciples away, and now there's this storm. It's this incredible storm, and, and uh, it's been hours. And they're out there, and they're struggling against the sea. The wind's blowing, crashing against them, and, and, uh, and, and they're, they're stressed, and they're nervous, and they're not happy. And, and I remember when I first became a believer, um, uh, I, I didn't go to youth group because nobody in youth group liked me. So I went to the old folks group and I loved the old folks group because right? I've been like an old man since I was 12. And, and I was hanging out with all these, these old people up at the old Baptist church up there. And uh, my grandma would give me a call and she would be like, hey, you know what? Uh, we're the old folks group we are going whale watching. I got an extra ticket. You're coming along with me. And I'd be like, that's fantastic. I'd love to go whale watching with you people. And, um, and on this trip... We were on this boat, and we were just being absolutely abused by the ocean. I mean, a, we were just, it was a big boat, but it, was, it might as well have been a tin can out there in the open sea. We were just getting thrown all over the place. And I have never seen so many undignified elderly people in all my life. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, on all sides of the boat, d- dispelling the contents of their stomach over the side and into the sea. You know, and teeth in hand and then the glasses in the other, and just just everything, just purging their very essence from from their body into the, into the ocean and it was it was a dreadful time on top of that, we didn't even see any whales. you know I mean, that might have made it a little bit better. <laughs> it's like you know a At least I saw that that little whale part. It's usually just the tail that pops up. And that's, I mean, already, it's overrated. But it was a terrible time. It was was really rough. And that's what these guys are going through. And despite the fact that they're all experienced fishermen, they're scared. They're scared. And on top of everything else, uh, we see in verse 25, during the fourth watch of the night, that puts it between about 3 and 6 in the morning, And Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And, and, you know, they're getting thrown around on the sea, so maybe he's thinking, hey, you know what, I'll just just cruise on out there and let them know that everything's okay. Um, And and maybe Jesus didn't think about how a normal person would react to seeing something like that. But he's like, yeah, I'll just wander out there on the lake and let them know that it's all good. Um, But when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now, ghosts, according to Jewish tradition, would appear at certain hours of the night. And if you saw one, it meant certain death, an absolute disaster to the viewer, right? So uh, according to their tradition, they were a goner. And they see this ghost coming at them. they like, you know, it's a terrible storm. And now this ghost, we're going to die, and, and they're, they're, they're dreadfully fearful. And, and, uh, and I know what you're thinking. You're, you're thinking, oh, those, those poor primitive people. Everyone knows that there's no such thing as ghosts. How could people actually believe something like that? But you know what? Maybe they believe the same exact thing that you do. Maybe they thought, well, there's no such thing as ghosts. But now they're in the middle of this storm and they see one. They see something walking towards them on the water and they're a believer. They're sold. Right? You might well say, I don't believe in zombies. Right? But if Abraham Lincoln knocked down your door and started nibbling on your ear, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be standing there saying, I find this highly illogical. Everybody knows that zombies aren't real. You'd be, you'd be done. You'd be like, I'm in. I'm a believer. There's, this, is, this is about to happen. This is terrible. And they were afraid. And they were thinking they're going to die. But now they see this ghost and they're sure of it. They say, now I know I'm going to die. And in verse 27, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And I don't want to spend too much time here, but I could. Listen, it's enough to say that you'd be hard-pressed to find a more comforting verse in all the Bible. I can't tell you how many times the Lord has taken me here when I'm in the midst of a storm. And you've all been there, too. When the storms of this life are just overwhelming and powerful and everything is pressing upon you. And you try and look through it, you try and look past it, and all you can seem to see is ghostly figures promising your imminent demise. You're like, what do I do? There's no good way out, it's all over. And you're just filled with doubt and dread. And you feel disconnected and discouraged. And Jesus doesn't waste any words. He says right here, just, Take courage. Don't be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. I'm here. I'm right here. I'm with you. You know, Mark tells us in his uh, in his little book when he writes this story that even from the mountainside, uh, while in prayer, Jesus never took his eyes off of them. They were always under his careful supervision. He never takes his eyes off of us, and he would say, I've spent the night praying for you. You don't need to worry. You never need to worry, because I'm here. And I read that and I'm comfort, comforted, beyond, beyond measure. And then I read the next verse, and I'm baffled beyond belief. In verse 28, "Lord, if it is you," Peter replied. Tell me to come to you on the water. What was it in Peter that caused him to say such a thing? You know, why was this the first thing that came out of his mouth? And, uh, and, and we have this tendency as, as Christians, and the longer we're saved, the, the worse it gets, that all these things become common to us and we read this story, and, and we miss this. This is the most unnatural thing a human being has ever said in all of history. I mean, this is, this is truly odd. You know, he, he, he looks at Jesus, and, and, and he's like, okay, well, uh, how about I wander out there on that water with you? And I mean, that's, that's not right. I mean, why would anyone say that? I can imagine being one of the other disciples in the boat. And, and you know, you're just relieved and you're like, oh, whew, okay, it's Jesus, everything's okay, we're all gonna be okay, we're not gonna die. Wait a minute, what, what, did, what did he just say? What, why would he say that? You know, and, and I would just be, baffled by it, and, and, but there's something in Peter. There's this spark. There's this insight uh, that, when he, that when he saw the Lord, he said, if that's really the Lord, then he can bid me come and I can do the same. And this is where I stopped the other day, and I reread this story and thought maybe I was wrong all along. Maybe I've been mistaken this whole time maybe Peter was the only sane person in the boat that day. And I've been missing out. And I stopped and I thought, maybe there's a lot more to what we can experience in this life. Because Jesus says in verse 29, come. He says, come and and then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. And as he walked on the water, I think that there was this expectation in him that maybe the storm would, would stop and and everything would, would quiet and it would be easy and it would be comfortable. But that doesn't happen, and, and that doesn't need to happen. And, and, and we, we see his response to it in verse 30. He saw the wind and he was afraid. He began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him and said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And for a moment, it seems to us as this really absurd moment, one human, right? One of us, he got it and he understood what it meant to have fellowship with God. Uh, fellowship with God uh, as Paul writes about it. In 1 Corinthians one nine, he says, God is faithful, right? This is our God. What you need to know about God is that he's faithful. He has called us into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, that if God extends the hand of fellowship to us, then anything is possible. As I mentioned you know, in, our, in our kind of lofty introduction, we're going through 1 John with the high school group, and, uh, and we're talking about this idea of fellowship, and I'm sure you've heard it before. In the Greek, it's the word koinonia, right? and that's something that, that the church has, has taken as their own. And it's like we have our little Koinonia meetings, and at some churches you go to the cafe, and it's called like the Koinonia cafe, and and maybe Koinonia just means coffee shop, right? Maybe Koinonia just means like a, a, a church meeting, right? Maybe that's as far as it goes, as far as content and substance. But 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 it, 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 this word and this idea is all throughout the Bible, and it's and and I feel like. Uh, Ten years I've been a believer. It's been ten years. It's been ten years. And, 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 I've, and I've missed it. And, and it's because I just, I order my coffee at it. Or I go to a meeting called it. But there's a great reality to it. There's this wonderful truth to it. It's, it's this word that is absolutely pregnant with, with meaning. And, and it means above all else to share to share all things as common or communal. That's what koinonia is all about. It's all about sharing. So this isn't mine, right? This is ours, right? Everything that could be mine if we entered into fellowship would be ours. And that night in the midst of that storm, one man saw it and he said, if this is the Lord, if this is the Lord that is offered so completely koinonia to me, then anything is possible. And the Lord would extend a hand and smile and say, come, come into Koinonia, come share in this miracle, come share with me everything that I got, everything that I'm capable of, everything that I am. It's all I've ever wanted to do. That's what I've called you to. Don't diminish it. Don't downplay it. Share it. This is, this is what I've wanted. And, and. And this is what koinonia is all about. This is what God has called us into. It's this kind of relationship that we can have with them. And in the church, I think we do such a great job of putting limitations on something like this, right? Uh, uh, Limitations on everything that we perceive as possible. And in the church, we say, well, anything's possible, right? But then we live like nothing is possible. And, And all the while, God is saying, Everything is possible. And, and, and Paul, poverty stricken and in prison, would say in Philippians, I could do all things through him who strengthens me. Right? Because, because Christ is strength. And I'm connected to him through Koinonia. So he shares his strength with me. I don't need to be strong. I'm connected to the one who is strong. So his strength becomes my strength. This is what koinonia is all about. We're connected to him as his body. And Peter in this moment understood this correctly, that it's all about who our Lord is and what he wants to have with us. And and I closed the book and I was faced with this very difficult application. And uh, and it came with this realization that this morning we are in one of two places. We're in the boat with the majority of other believers under the supervision of our Savior. Or we're on the choppy water standing face to face with him. We're either safely watching miracles or we are participating in them. And here's the incredible part, right? Here's here's the thing that really struck me. And this is the thing that really shook me out of, out of my complacency. That those in the boat aren't condemned. that's a really interesting thing to consider In this text, Jesus never rolls his eyes at them and says, what a bunch of losers. When will you get it together and see that everything is possible? When are you going to figure it out? When are you going to step outside the boat? And Peter, Peter's a banana head most of the time, and he gets it. But you guys don't? Never. Jesus never says that to them. No, he understands that they're scared and he comforts them. Right? They are these people in the boat. They're safe. They're preserved. But they're simply in the boat watching miracles. And they are in no way an active participant participant in the miracles themselves. It was enough for them to enjoy the spectacle of it all, to say, "Wow, look at the cool stuff God does." He's doing all kinds of neat stuff in the world. And I can see it and I can appreciate it. And that's enough for me. I feel good about that. They were comforted by the Lord, but they did not come after him. And you know what? Sometimes this is all I want. You know, most of the time, this is all I want. I've found my comfortable nook in the boat. And I'm surrounded by all kinds of other Christians that, that look up from time to time and make sure that Jesus is still there, right? That's, and that's what, we, that's what we do. And then we get back to, to holding on to the boat for dear life because the waters are still choppy, right? And occasionally the, the boat rocks and I'm super worried because this boat means so much to me. You know, it's, it, this, this boat is its my security blanket. It's my comfort zone. It's what I see and it's what I feel and it's what I can grasp and cling to. And, and I, I, I believe so often that all I need is to stay in the confines of this boat and everything will be okay. And this boat can be my, my job. It could be my finances. It could be my routine. And that's everything to me. And I'm clinging to that during uh, difficult times. And when that security is threatened, I look up and he reminds me that he has me. And, And I'm comforted by that. I am. I look up, he's there, and he says, it's okay, I'm here. And I say, oh, thank God. But then I go right back to clinging to my boat. And I never really step outside of it. And... And he looks at me the way a father would look at, at, at his child, clinging to his pacifier. And, and he loves me. And he hopes that one day I'll grow out of that phase, I think. He's like, you know, it would be great if you weren't like 30, sucking on your passy. But, but you know what? If you never do, I'll love you. You're still my baby. And I cherish you. You just, you, you don't know that there's so much more, do you? You don't know that there's a whole world outside of this boat, do you? And, and there is no miracle in that kind of life. There isn't. And, and the kingdom of God isn't advanced by that. All right? We simply stay afloat. And if we live that way, we will float you know, uh, right into heaven in that manner, um, And if we do, we will share very little of who Christ is and what He does. And I will add that when we get there, when we float on into heaven, we will feel exceedingly silly, that we have been so preoccupied with the idea of simply staying afloat in the midst of this storm that is our life. And and that staying in the boat was the most important thing to us while we were here. And that we've missed out on every moment that we could have stepped out and walked above this raging world and upon the open sea. We've missed all the miracles that were daily before us, right in front of us. And we will sail into heaven regretting how safe we played it during, uh, during our little boat ride of, of this life. And and while we were here upon the open seas, all the while, he was saying to us, come, right, come. Come into fellowship. Come into Koinonia. Come walk with me. Come share this miracle with me. And, and listen, listen. I want you to think about... Now, we're going to be inching our way towards our conclusion. I know some of you, you're already, you're already thinking, wow, he is, uh, he's not going to stop. <laughs> I, I honestly can't remember a time in my life when I wasn't here. This is dreadful. Um, but, but worry not. I want you to think about... I want you to think about who it is and what we are sharing with. Right. So first... Uh, uh, let, let's, let's take a look at this, who, who, who is it? Now, undoubtedly, let us not forget that the who is the guy that's walking on water. All right, this is who is inviting us into Koinonia. He's the fella that's standing upon the water and he can defy creation because he created it all. He was before it all. He is over it all. And this lofty deity comes to a wretch like me. But wretch isn't good enough. He comes to an ant like me. But ant won't do it. He comes to a nothing like me. And he says, you, I want to have fellowship with you. I want to share this with you. I want to share everything with you. Now, the second, right, what? What is he sharing with us? Okay. Now, David Guzik, he, he, uh, he you know, and I always quote David Guzik. It's either Guzik or Spurgeon. You're going to get one or the other when I'm up here. Uh, they're, they're both just amazing guys. Um, Papa Guzik, he said, he, he was talking about koinonia. And he said, now to get koinonia right in your brain, you need to think about getting an invitation from an affluent individual to participate in a certain activity. And I loved his illustration, so I, I adapted it, I expanded it, and I updated it, which is just a really great way of saying I stole it. So <laughs> um, but he said, imagine imagine getting a call from a celebrity, right? And it could be anyone you want. Think of your favorite celebrity, right? I don't know who it is. Right, for me, it's Brad Pitt. I get a call from Brad Pitt. <laughs> Brad, you know, uh, he gives me a call. We're on first name basis. And, uh, and he says, Michael, I want to share everything that is mine with you. Right? So my life, my success, my career, my abs, that'd be fantastic. He's like, just everything. Can you imagine that? I'm like, really, your abs? He goes, look down. Boom, they're already there. And I'm like, that's spectacular. I'm going to go to Jack in the Box and ruin these things right now. <laughs> I can, and I can, I can hardly imagine, right, what that would be like. The glitz and the glamour, the status, the stature. You know, Brad, he's talking to me and he says, you know, I-, I get it. All right, you're, you're Michael Turner, really, you know, let's be honest, between you and me, who cares? Who cares, right? Michael Turner, who cares? You're nothing. But, but, uh, everything I've done will now be credited to you. So every time I act, I'll play the part, you just show up, you're just just there, we'll CGI your face on my body. Can you imagine that? My face, Brad's body. (laughs) Think about it. And, And he says, I'll do the acting, I'll do it all. And you're just there, you just show up and they will see you, right? That's an incredible thing. You just show up. I'll do it all. They'll see you. You'll get the credit. You'll share in the spotlight. Now imagine getting a call from a billionaire. All right, you get a call from a billionaire. It's Bill, Great. Bill Gates. Bill Gates. That's not his name. I don't know who that guy is. He's probably poor. But Bill Gates calls you. And Bill Gates, he's rich. I mean, this guy's filthy rich. And, uh, and he says, hey, I don't know you, but you know, here's, here's my debit card. Uh, here's my PIN code. Everything I have uh, is ours now. It's all common between the two of us. So you can do with it as you wish, whatever you want. And um, so all that I possess materially belongs to you completely. And, and so now my Ferrari, it isn't my Ferrari, it's our Ferrari. You know, my uh, golden cereal bowl. It's not, it's not my golden cereal bowl. It's our golden cereal bowl. If I was a billionaire, I'd want a golden cereal bowl. I'm not going to eat cereal out of a regular bowl like some poverty-stricken hobo. All right? I'm going to have a golden one. So, so he calls me up, and he's like, you know, it's all yours. Whatever you want, it's yours. You can just take it and uh, enjoy it. And then you get a call from the president. The president, he calls you up, and he says, I am I'm the commander-in-chief, head of the mightiest uh, military, the, the, the planet has ever known, authority beyond belief. And, and he says, Michael, I'm sharing it all with you. So now, so now everything that I have is to be ours from here on out. And I'm like, okay, Obama, let's do this. And now, you know, nothing, Michael, lowly, Michael, aunt, Michael, wretch, Michael, I am co-commander of the greatest nation on the face of the planet. Now, now God. Consider God. All right. He he has all, he's over all, he's in all, he could do all. No celebrity will will ever be as famous as our Lord. Alright? No billionaire will ever have as much materially as our Lord. And no president will ever be as powerful as our Lord. And he says, come, have fellowship, enter into Koinonia. All of this, I want to share with you. And we lean back and we say, wow, that's so great. That's so special. And I'm I'm just, I'm really, I'm blessed. To use a church word, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed that you would offer that. I'm flattered by it. And you're walking on water, and that's weird and amazing. But really, I, I think that the storm will probably settle down pretty soon, and I should just stay in this boat, and I'll be okay. I'll be okay uh, as long as I stay here. But thanks. Thank you. And it would be like Bill Gates coming up to us and saying, my fortune is to be shared with you. Everything I have is ours. And and we say, you know, really, I just need a buck nineteen for two tacos at Jack in the Box. <laughs> right? That's it. That's all. And Jenny, you even went like, ah, oh, Jack in the Box again, Michael. Every sermon, it's a quota. I have to meet it, Jenny. I don't have a choice. <laughs> that's what guilt pays me for. So he's like, you know, he goes, that's, that's, that's all you, and, and, and it's like, we, we think they're 99 cents, really, they're a buck 19. And we got taxes in the state. So he says, you know, we're just like, that's all I need. That's all I need is the buck 19 for the two tacos. And Bill Gates goes, wait, wait a minute. Wait, I, you share all that I have, my vast fortune. That's all you want? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. It's like, you could have so much, you could have anything, you could have everything. And it's like, no, just 19 that that'll do. And here it is. Here it is. We are far too easily satisfied. He offers everything, and yet we stay in the boat and say, I'll share salvation with you. That's what I'll share. I'll share that, and I'll share your life. This life that you have, this life that you offer, this life that you extend as an opportunity through Koinonia to me, I'll I, I, I will take that, right? That's 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 what I'll have, and and I'll be I'll be alive in you. I'll be born again. That's it. And Peter looks down at at his hand and he sees a buck nineteen, and he says, "Wait a minute. There's more, isn't there? Right? Sharing in your salvation." sharing in your death, sharing in your resurrection, that's only the beginning, isn't it? And I could just see this smile coming, coming across Jesus' face and he just says, come, share it all. Share it all. And that's just the beginning, just that part. That's, that's just the start. But there is, there's so much more and I don't want to just see it out there. Right? I want to. I want to share in it. I, I want to. I, I don't want to just appreciate the the spectacle of his miraculous works. I want. I want to be a partner in uh, his miraculous journey. And, and we're we're moving towards our conclusion. I know some of you are still just like, uh. but but listen, it's it's a rough journey, right? Could we. I mean, let's not lie. This, we're still in a fallen world, and the wind is still beating against the boat, if you're in the boat. right? But something happens in the soul of a man. Something happens in the soul of a woman when he realizes, when she realizes, that, that if he's there, it doesn't really matter what's beating against the boat. Because you don't even really need the boat you know, the wind doesn't need to stop. The conditions, they don't need to be perfect. Uh, it doesn't really matter, any of that stuff, because because he's there. And we have this opportunity every day in a million different ways. Right? Daily, we can step out of the boat and walk. And, and and I think that that when we think about things like this, it's like, oh, great, you know, he's up there and he's... He's saying that if we really want to walk on water, we need to go to like Uganda. And the heat, it would just, I don't want to go there. Because it seems uncomfortable, just the weather of it. Everything else is fine. Maybe if it was cool, I'd be there. But it's like, you know, we think about these things, and that's what we perceive as the, the speaker is trying to to get out of us, to drive us towards. But that's not it at all. Right? I mean, it's, it's I can step out of the boat Walk on water and, and share with a friend. Right? Share, share the Lord with a friend. Have that scary conversation that I've been uh, thinking about, but never actually, never actually entering into. And we think, well, I, I don't do it because I don't know what to say. Right? But now think about it this way. Does Jesus know what to say? He always does. Like, you read the, the gospel stories, and he's amazing. I mean, everyone that came up with him with some snarky question, you know, trying to, trying to get something out of him, I mean, he just, he's perfect response every time. Amazing. Jesus knows what to say. So you sit there and you go, I don't know what to say. Well, Jesus knows what to say. And, and you have Queen Aenea with him, don't you? So he'll share his words with you, right? Peter didn't know how to walk on the water, but Jesus knew how to walk on the water, and Jesus shared that with Peter. You know, we, we, we sit around so often, we think, I really want to really help those people. I really want to start that ministry. I really want to really do that thing, but I have no idea how to start. Does Jesus know how to start things? Does Jesus have ideas? Because he does. Always does. And if he has them, and you have koinonia with him, then he says, I'm going to share those things with you. You can step out of the boat, and you can be confident that when you do, as you do, he'll meet you. He'll allow you to enter into to this wonderful miracle that moments ago you believed was completely impossible. And it's the difference between staying in the boat and watching Jesus do stuff and hoping that he'll do what is in your heart and taking responsibility, taking the responsibility that koinonia uh, is offered to afford. To say, I want to come and I want to share who you are. I want to share what you do so that something can be accomplished today that I believed was impossible, and uh, one man, for one moment that we read about in in this passage, was sane. That's the conclusion of it. He did the sane thing when he saw all that God was offering, what life could really look like as we enter into a real relationship with him, as he allows us to share who he is, what he's capable of, what is to us impossible. To Jesus, it's as simple as taking a midnight stroll upon the sea. And my prayer is for us today that as a community, we would leave this place behind as just a vast, empty boat and set out this morning upon the ocean with our Savior who makes all things possible. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for, for your word. It's amazing how you know, I can walk with you for all these years. And then it seems like, you know, my eyes are open in one instant and what I thought was a walk was really a sit. (laughs) And I've been so comfortable. And I've been clinging to so much that is tangible. And you offer so much more. You offer more than I can imagine. You are greater than I could ever comprehend. And you desire to do great and mighty things in our midst as we share who you are. With this world, Lord, may they look upon us and see that which is impossible. But to us is only natural because we're connected to a God. that is unimaginably powerful. Lord, thank you. God, I praise you. I ask, Lord as, we, Lord, as we come before you in one final song, that even now, God, as we consider you, the weight of koinonia would be upon us, the opportunity would be set before us, and we would step out towards you, believing completely in you, walking closely beside you, a miraculous journey face-to-face with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.